world government, world religion, mark of the beast, Middle East peace, and World War III. All prophetic and in the news headlines today. We will discuss these and many other events while taking your calls on this open line edition of End of the Age. Well, good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries, Into the Age program, and thank you so much for joining me this afternoon on this open line edition. So I will be taking your calls, 1-877-363-8463. Before we get there, though, there's so much in the news that has to do with Bible prophecy today, it's, it's really overwhelming at times. When we talk about the the five main prophecies that we should be watching for, they're being fulfilled right now. World government, world religion, mark of the beast, precursors to the mark of the beast, the peace agreement between the Israelis and the Palestinians, and World War III, the sixth trumpet war. Those are the five main things we should be watching for. There are many others, but we're watching for those. They they are easily uh, used to prove we are just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ and the battle of Armageddon. If you can prove those five, it's easy to prove that we're in the end time. Let me give you an example and then I'll get to the phones. I've got one caller on there. I'll get to you in just a moment. Just hang loose and we'll get there. Let's talk about world government. Many of you are wondering about the Inflation Reduction Act uh, that just went into law. Joe Biden signed it. And you think, well, hey, that sounds great, doesn't it? The Inflation Reduction Act. Guess what? It doesn't do much to reduce inflation. That's the problem. It's mainly about socialistic principles and pushing them in the United States. You wonder why Joe Biden, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, and all of them are so excited about this Inflation Reduction Act. Well, it's because it's pushing their agenda. It doesn't help the middle class and it doesn't reduce inflation. It's getting their agenda pushed. They could have named it, um, you know, the great super fondagical uh, help the middle class act. They can name it anything they want. But when it's all said and done, it's pushing their agenda. That's why they're so excited. If it was totally against their agenda, then they would be howling at the moon, right? So the Inflation Reduction Act, what does it do? Well, the AmericanProgress.org, they published an article, How the Inflation Reduction Act Will Drive Global Climate Action. Okay, now, I've talked about this many times. Human-induced global warming, which leads to climate change, is absolute propaganda by the United Nations, the seat of world government in the earth. Obviously, the Bible prophesies a world government for the end time. The article here states from the AmericanProgress.org, the Inflation Reduction Act puts the United States on track to meeting its Paris Climate Agreement commitment and to reclaiming the mantle of global climate leadership. 
You say, wow, what's that all about? The Paris Climate Agreement was attached, or it was the commitment, the financial commitments by the nations of the world to support the sustainable development goals and all of the climate action that went along with that. It's total propaganda, and it's all about wealth redistribution. So the sustainable development goals were signed on to in 2015. In September, in December, the Paris Climate Agreement was signed. And there are many articles talking about this Inflation Reduction Act that, hey, this will put us on pace to meet our Paris Climate Agreement that we signed by 2030, the United States. Well, that's not a good thing because it's the redistribution of wealth. This, as we go through some of the, this article, just really quick, it says, when President, Biden, when President Joe Biden rejoined the Paris Agreement in his inauguration, on his inauguration day, the United States indicated its intent to lead the world in tackling climate change. Yet, until the Inflation Reduction Act, this is mainly what it's all about, or a big portion of it, yet, until the Inflation Reduction Act was signed into law on August 16th, the United States had not taken meaningful domestic action needed to reduce its emissions, which grew by 6.2% in 2021 relative to 2020 and overall remain second only to China. But the Inflation Reduction Act, that may change this reality. In other words, hey, now we're going to focus on climate, the climate, and, and helping out with our climate, the um, emissions reduction and all these different things. The thing is, everybody, it's about wealth redistribution. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, when you go down to, there's an article by Stopping Socialism. It's stoppingsocialism.com. You can read the article. The Inflation Reduction Act is another incremental step towards socialism. The, The number one plank One of the main planks to socialism is wealth redistribution. That's what this act is at one of the main things that it's designed to do. It says, while Democrats celebrate the passage of the $739 billion Inflation Reduction Act, which will not reduce inflation at all, Americans who love freedom and free market capitalism are in a state of despair. Once you understand what this is really all about, what are we talking about here? World government, a prophesied world government being pushed here in the United States. Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, they're all globalists. They believe in a world government. So that's why they're so happy. And that's why CNN, MSNBC, all these other liberal news sources are just promoting this as the greatest thing that's ever come down the pike, right? Because they all believe in socialism as well. And so... It talks about this Inflation Reduction Act that it was never intended to reduce inflation because it's designed to increase the size and scope of the federal government, breed more dependence on Uncle Sam, and redistribute wealth from the middle class to the poor and the already wealthy. So the middle class, who they claim is it's going to reduce inflation and help everybody, it's really not. And in other words, the Inflation Reduction Act has more to do with increasing socialism in America than it has to do with making life better for the middle class by decreasing inflation. 
And I can go down here and give you a lot of numbers, a lot of stats. I probably won't do that. We'll go straight to the phones. I'm coming up to a break. I'll go straight to the phones after that. If you got a call, uh, got a question about prophecy, 1-877-363-8463. And we'll talk about it. That's what this program is designed to do, is to help everybody understand the prophecies of the Bible, how they correlate with the current events going on now, letting us know we're just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. If I run out of calls, then we'll get more into uh, some of these prophecies that are happening right before our very eyes, folks. This stuff is happening. We're living through it. And we want to make sure that you understand it so we can prepare you for the times ahead and eternity. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to endtime.com slash future or call 800 endtime. That's 800-363-8463. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the End Time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you and we love you. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End of the Age television and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end-time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or visit endtime.com slash events for more information. Okay, before we go to the phones, I, and again, I've got a few spots open. It'd be a great time to call, one 363 8463 I will be in Shreveport, Louisiana, tomorrow evening and Sunday morning. Uh, my wife, Jana, and my mother-in-law, Irvin Baxter's wife, uh, will be there as well, uh, Judy Baxter. And we will be at the Calvary Pentecostal Church, 7288 Greenwood Road, Suite 109, Saturday evening at 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. I'll be teaching the future according to Bible prophecy. Sunday morning, August 21 from 1040 to 1240. We'll be doing breaking prophecy news. And then we'll, uh, if we have time, we'll do a Q&A. I normally try to leave about 20 minutes or so for a Q&A at the end. Sometimes 30 minutes. It depends on how the lesson goes. And so if you'd like to join us down there in Shreveport this weekend, we'd love to have you. We've been having great attendance at our conferences, and so very thankful for that. 
The, all the information is at our website, endtime.com. Go to events and conferences. There's maps, phone numbers, all kinds of things to get you to the conference this weekend. Looking forward to a great time. Now, uh, I want to go straight to the phones. Let's go to Charles in Virginia. God bless Charles. Welcome to End of the Age. How are you doing? I'm doing tremendous. How are you? Just fantastic. Uh, hey, um, I have thought for quite a long time that the uh, resurrection of the two witnesses uh, and the first resurrection and those who are alive and remain are caught up to the marriage supper of the Lamb. You know, I've thought, I've thought that for quite some time. Yes. And I've read First Thessalonians chapter 5 several times and, mm-hmm. uh, of course, a lot of other scriptures several times. And y'all have quoted this plenty of times. And when you held your last program, you mentioned First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5. And then when you said, for when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes. Yes. Okay. And then it struck me. You know, it just struck me like a light bulb moment, right? And then I went. And then I read the scripture for myself. Then I went and looked at the two witnesses. Yes. And what struck me about that is that when the two witnesses are killed, people will be saying peace and safety because the two witnesses are no longer around to torment them. Correct. So I just I just had a feeling that the You know, the resurrection of the two witnesses in the first resurrection is the same event, and I just wanted to get your opinion on that. Yes, that's absolutely correct. So if we talk right here in, in understanding the timing of all of this, if we talk right here in 1 Thessalonians 5, the Apostle Paul said, But of the times and seasons, brethren, we have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord, there's the key phrase, the day of the Lord, so comes as a thief in the night. Charles, the the thief in the night, the Lord coming as a thief in the night, that only happens once in the near future. And that's at the time of the rapture, the second coming of Jesus Christ. So he says, yourselves know perfectly the day of the Lord, so comes as a thief in the night. Then it says in verse 3, for when they shall shall say peace and safety, uh, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with a child. He's talking about the time when the rapture will occur and the second coming of Jesus Christ when we're invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. You've got it exactly right. And then he talks about in verse 4, But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Your children of the light, uh, not of the the, um, end of the day, not of the night, nor of the darkness. So when we talk about the timing of the uh, two witnesses in Revelation chapter 11, when it goes down to verse... Uh, uh, Revelation eleven eleven. After their after their uh, twelve hundred and sixty days, when the the two witnesses have ministered, the Bible says they will be killed, lay in the streets, and after three and a half days, the spirit of life of God entered into them. They stood upon their feet. Great fear fell upon all of them. The Bible says prior to that, everybody was glad, like you're saying, peace and safety, because the two witnesses have been killed. The Bible says they'll be giving gifts to each other and mocking them, and but the Bible says that after three and a half days, the two witnesses will stand on their feet, and they heard a great voice from heaven saying, Come up hither. This is the time of the rapture. They ascended up into heaven. 
How do we know it's the time of the rapture? The Bible says, in the same hour that there was a great earthquake, the tenth party of the city fell, in that earthquake were slain 7,000 men. And then it goes into verse 15. It uh, says, the 14 in, uh, verse 14, the second woe is passed, the third woe comes quickly, and the seventh angel sounded. That's the rapture and the second coming of Jesus Christ. So it is the simultaneous event when the Lord comes, and, uh, or I should say one continuous event, when the Lord comes as a thief in the night, 1 Thessalonians 5, and calls up the two witnesses and the rest of us at the time of the seventh trump, or the last trump described in other passages of the Bible. So yeah, it sounds like you've got it right, Charles. All right, so that's what I thought, because uh, first resurrection and the resurrection of the two witnesses, you know, I thought people were being called up to the marriage supper of the Lamb, and then in the same hour, the great earthquake happened. So that was my thoughts on it. So I appreciate it. God bless you. All right, God bless you, my friend, and thank you for the call. Uh, And another thing, everybody, when it talks about the first resurrection, the Bible also says that uh, in Revelation chapter 20, that those who went through the time of the Great Tribulation that were beheaded for the witness of, our, of the Lord, but had not, taken, that had not worshipped Him, neither had they taken the, a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, the Bible says that they went in the first resurrection. People that had been through the Great Tribulation even. So uh, everything Charles was saying about the two witnesses, and that's the time of the, the first resurrection, Revelation 20 actually agrees with, with his perspective there, that the first resurrection is right there at the uh, time of the rapture, the second coming of Jesus Christ. That's the first resurrection. We have the marriage supper of the Lamb in the sky. We go straight to fight with Israel on behalf of Armageddon. It's all spelled out there in chronological order in Revelation chapter 19. Okay, uh, back to the phones. Trey, right here in Texas. God bless Trey. Welcome to End of the Age. Yes. Well, first of all, I want to wish you a happy birthday. Uh, you're August baby like my like me. Come on. Uh, I'll be 55 on the 28th. So happy birthday. Thank you very much, August my friend. Baby. Yes, sir. Uh, I was going to tell you. You know, uh, I'll be 55. Uh, not not this Sunday, but on the 28th. And I never thought I'd live to say it, but I think more than anybody else, Bernie Sanders was right. Uh, the 2024 election, presidential election, is really. Uh, meaningless at this point in time. It's really the midterms, and I'll tell you why. Uh, the Congress does two things that the president or nor the, the judiciary can do. They have the power of the purse, and they also get to confirm uh, <clears throat> the nominations of the judiciary all the way from the federal uh, municipal judge, well, federal judges, appellate judges, and the Supreme Court. And I think uh, with the judiciary always hanging in the balance, it really doesn't matter who's president to some degree. And uh, we as, conser- as conservative Christians, whether we be Catholic or Boston, we always need to keep that in mind because whoever controls the courts will control our destiny. Uh, like we all know, that was pretty much evidence in two cases, the one with the gun laws uh, up in New York and the, the Jackson v. Dodd case yeah. that overturned abortion. So I think people always need to keep that in mind. Right. Now, don't get me wrong. I hope Donald Trump runs for president in 2024. I hope and pray to God that he gets reelected, and I hope that he's able to put some more good conservative people on all levels of the courts, mm-hmm. and hopefully a, a few more uh, Supreme Court justices. That would be great. Right. But, uh, if he does, if he gets stuck with a Democratic uh, House and Senate, 
he'll be neutered. He'll be useless. Yeah. Uh, I know it's hard to say, but uh, we always need to keep that in mind. Right. No, I, I totally agree. Um, one of the things that you should be aware of, Trey, I know the Constitution gives the Congress the power of the purse. However, the Federal Reserve Act back in the early 1900s took the power to print money, to raise and lower interest rates, and really to control the amount of money in circulation. It took the power away from Congress and gave it to the Federal Reserve, which is a cabal of private bankers. And if you just study the Constitution, yeah, it gives Congress a group of elected officials that power, but actually the Federal Reserve is controlling the economy of the United States and uh, what a travesty that has been. So um, I totally agree with you on the midterms and the, and the uh, upcoming election in 2024. I believe they're both super, super important because if we were to get control, or I should say if the conservatives... Republicans would get, because there are many Republicans that are not conservative. You've seen that, the rhinos. But if the conservatives were able to get control of the Senate and the House of Representatives, then we could stymie a lot of things that Joe Biden was trying to do, who is a globalist. I'm not against, so I'm not necessarily against um, the man. I hope Joe Biden makes it to heaven. I'd like to teach him a Bible study and help him get there. But I'm against the agendas and all the horrible ideologies him and his cronies have, the establishment, the deep state, and the world government. Totally against all of that because they're really, they're doing their best to destroy America. You realize all of this, all of this stuff that's happening to us right now is by grand design. It's not by accident. The gas prices could go down tomorrow if they would just allow hardworking Americans to go out and start drilling drilling oil and producing because Americans produce. We're capitalistic. We produce. We make things happen. And because they've stymied that, then they put a noose around our economy. And so um, I think the midterms, super important. I think the 2024 election, super important. But when it's all said and done, Trey, the main thing I do is, is I ask every morning, God, let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And bring, let your kingdom, let us experience your kingdom. Let your kingdom come, your will be done. And so um, I know at the end of the day, God's in control of my life. I don't really, I, I vote and I'm, I, I'm, I'm involved in that. But when it's all said and done, if, a, if a, the t- Democrats sweep it again, I still trust God. If you've got your, tr- and I'm not saying this is you trust or, Trey or anybody else, but if you've got your trust in government, there have been Republican governments that have totally let us down. So I say, God, let your will be done here on earth. Let your will be done here in America as it is in heaven. And let me promote your kingdom. And Trey, I have found that I'm a happy person. I'm fulfilled. I am really loving life when I'm trusting God and not government because there have been Republican and Democratic presidents that have totally let us down. So, um, very important. That's just the way I run my life. Well, I agree with you. You're correct. And I would say, yes, the Federal Reserve has been nothing but a wrecking ball on yep. the economy. But we also got to look at the fact that Congress just passed all that big spending bill. I agree. With the help of Joe Biden. And, and that's going to really hurt a lot of people down the road. Yeah. So I'm just saying, you know, that's, that's just a 
harbinger of things to come. And we yeah. just need to be aware of that as, as Bible-believing Christians. Amen. You can't sit on the sideline and, and hope somebody else carries the load. we got to go out there and vote and, and, help, and help our candidates that, that are standard bearers. Otherwise, we, we're going to give away the general store. I keep telling that to everybody. Yeah. So I'm just saying that you're, you're right. But I do put faith in God and Jesus Christ. I do believe what Daniel said about, you know, about God removing the kings, you set up us kings, and, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. And so, yes, but we but we have to do our part, too. We just Amen. can't depend upon God, and we can't depend upon other people and, you know, uh, help carry the load. we we got to do our, our part, too. Absolutely. That's all I was trying to say. Totally hey, listen, agree, my friend. You have a wonderful weekend. You have a wonderful weekend. It's always a pleasure. I won't be able to talk to you next Friday. I'll be at work. But okay. anyway, I just appreciate having the opportunity to talk to you. You yes, have sir. a wonderful rest of the day. And, Enjoy your birthday, okay? All right. God bless you, my friend. Happy birthday to you coming up as well. Um, Okay, let's go to Sandy uh, in Kansas. God bless Sandy. Welcome to End of the Age. Hey, God bless you too, Dave. Thank you. I have a question. Yeah. You bet. And I should know the answer because my husband and I have been through the Prophecy College, but we're both kind of wanting to hear you tell us again how we know the Sixth Trumpet War is not Armageddon. Sure. So the Sixth Trumpet War, Revelation 9, verse 13 through 21. I won't take the time to do this, but I, will, I can tell you we can prove scripturally that the uh, Sixth Trumpet War happens prior to the Great Tribulation. The Battle of Armageddon occurs at the very end of the Great Tribulation. I'm not going to go through all the verses, but I can tell you the Revelation 9, verse 13 through 21 is the Sixth Trumpet happens in uh, Revelation 9, Verse 10 talks event, about events that is the beginning of the tribulation. And then chapter, or, uh, chapter 10, chapter 11 of Revelation talks about events that, um, at the, uh, during the tribulation and then the culmination of it. So Revelation uh, 9, verse 13 through 21, that's the Sixth Trumpet War. The Bible says it, it originates in the Euphrates River region and then it will spread out around the world. That's the Sixth Trumpet War. The, um, so the timing and the location of it, those are two big indicators. The Battle of Armageddon, the Bible says that the great river Euphrates will be dried up to make way for the kings of the east to come down against Israel to the Battle of Armageddon. So the location, totally different. It will be localized right there in Israel. It, it is engaged in the plain of Megiddo in the north, comes down the Jordan Valley and ends up right there in the Kidron Valley between the Temple Mount and the Mount of Olives. And a lot of people think the Battle of Armageddon is going to be worldwide. It's not. The Bible's very specific that it's localized right there in Israel, in, uh, Israel and it ends up right in Jerusalem itself. Um, so those are two of the main things, the timing. We can also prove that the Battle of Armageddon... I tell you what, Sandy, I'm coming up to a break. Can you hold through the break? Sure. Okay, yeah. Hold on a second, and uh, we'll, we'll finish this up when we come back. Okay, got a few lines open, everybody, if you want to call Whether in. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. 
When you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99, you can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the Prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2, the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. Okay, Sandy, so the, are you with me? Yes. Yeah, so the two things you're looking for is the, the location and the timing. The timing of the Sixth Trumpet War uh, prior to the Great Tribulation and the location. It starts in the Euphrates River region. The Bible says, loose the four angels bound in the Great River Euphrates, and their job is to kill one-third of the world's population once they're loosed. So it starts in the Euphrates River region, spreads out around the world. Battle of Armageddon, localized in Israel. The timing of it. Sixth Trumpet War, before the Great Tribulation. The Bible says for the Battle of Armageddon, Revelation 16 and 19 are the best descriptions of the Battle of Armageddon. And there are many, but those are two of the most detailed. And the timing of that, that's when the vials of the wrath of God are poured out at the time of the Battle of Armageddon. Most uh, uh, verse, vials 2 through 7 are poured out upon, the vials of the wrath of God are poured out upon the armies that come down to Israel to battle. Mm-hmm. The first vial is poured out upon those who receive the mark of the beast during the Great Tribulation, which lets us know the vials of the wrath of God in the Battle of Armageddon happen right there at the very end of the Great Tribulation. The Sixth Trumpet War happens before that. So, two separate wars. The location and the timing help you to understand that. Okay, that's very helpful, yes. and I appreciate it very much. Thank Absolutely. you, Dave. All right. Well, God bless you, my friend, and you have a great weekend. You too. Thank you. Let's go to Larry in Ohio. God bless Larry. Welcome to End of the Age. Hey, how you doing? Um, first-time caller, long-time listener. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I've been following Brother Baxter and um, I love the transition that you guys made, uh, seamless transition. I imagine behind the scenes would have been a little challenging, um, but um, I was praying for you guys like everybody else that yeah. it'd be a seamless transition. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm a, definitely a financial supporter, prayer supporter. Yes. Um, and, I, and I definitely support you guys and everything you got to do with the kingdom. Thank you. Um, wanted to get your... Uh, Give me your thoughts on the, um, you just had a a little teaching, I guess, a few days ago on the uh, two witnesses, and it's funny because we've just been talking about it, 
um, been listening. And I uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on the uh, two witnesses and who could they who they could be. And then I'd like to see if I can uh, share my thoughts after you. Yeah. So a lot of people speculate that they might be, you know, Moses and Elijah, Enoch and Elijah. And, um, we, it's our opinion because at this point it's all opinion. It's our opinion. Or some people say that it could be um, the church. The Bible says in Revelation 11 that they are two prophets. It's our opinion that they would be two men that God has, is preparing. I believe they're alive, certainly alive on the earth today. That God is preparing to be a thorn in the side of the Antichrist and to preach and teach the gospel of the kingdom of God. Any true man or woman of God that God has ever called and sent to preach, their main message is the gospel of the kingdom of God. So these two men, in our opinion, would be um, two individuals that God has prepared, equipped. God will never send anybody out into the harvest field uh, to teach or preach that He has not equipped and prepared. He, these will be two men. The Bible calls them prophets in Revelation 11. And um, they will be killed, lay in the streets for three and a half days, raptured at the very end. Who will they be? I do not believe God is going to resurrect somebody from the dead or bring somebody back from wherever He's taken them to into His presence. I mean, like Enoch was taken and Elijah. I don't believe God's going to bring them back. We don't have any precedence for that, to bring them back to carry out His will on the earth. He's chosen two men or two or women or whoever to do his work here on the earth. So I believe that it's going to be two men. The Bible calls them prophets, not prophetesses. In many places in the Bible, if it was a woman, it calls them a prophetess. The Bible calls these two prophets. Um, I believe they're going to be two men that God has raised up, prepared. He's preparing for that time. And um, that's kind of the opinion that we hold here at this point, Larry. I appreciate you uh, sharing your thoughts. And, yeah. uh, I comp- um, I'm an ordained minister and evangelist, um, and I normally, uh, when I have different um, conversations with uh, different subject matters, I-, I compartmentalize them into essential and non-essential. Yeah. Essential and non-essential. And if it's not um, salvation-oriented, it's-, it's non-essential. Good for discussion, you know, uh, food for thought. Um, so that's why I consider like the who the two witnesses is is a non-essential. Um, yeah. My my stance or my uh, perception. Now I'm with the uh, the Moses and Elijah right. um, little train of thought, and because um, when I look at um, and maybe you've heard this, I'm sure, and I go with Moses and Elijah obviously for the first one, which is they were on Mount Transfiguration. Now. Um, we both know, most people know, obviously, that they had already died. Right. And yet, um, they're so-called resurrected to give an important message to Jesus on the mount. Mm-hmm. And it's talked about, I guess, in Luke, it talked about um, them talking to, him, talking to him about him going to Jerusalem and him, about him being crucified. So the conversation was obviously very significant about what was about to happen regarding him, and he confirmed it. Um, so it showed, it, it kind of lead me to that, uh, obviously they were dead and now they're alive and they, and the Bible was specific in saying it was them 
Um, so yeah. I lean towards that. If he did it, if he raised them from the from the dead to show us and the purpose, and which is always something very significant um, that they were discussing with the Lord, you know, I could I would lean towards they could be the witnesses because uh, the, just looking at the pattern, how God uses things in patterns. And so uh, that's why I kind of lean towards that way. Yeah. So, uh, again, at this point, Larry, I have to tell you that I don't know. All I can do is give you Me my neither. opinion. Me neither. Listen, listen. Non-essential. Non-essential. Right, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so it's it's essential to me in the fact that, and I understand what you're saying totally, but it's essential, it's not a salvation issue. Totally agree with you 100%. It's essential to me because I believe that end time ministries with our college in Jerusalem and the things we're going to do in Israel, that we will be working right alongside the two witnesses throughout the end time. So I believe God will reveal them to us, and I'm going to have them on our radio television programs. I'm going to have them writing for me in the magazine. Um, and we're going to be working right alongside of them to have great end-time revivals. However, whether you know who they are or whether you don't, as long as you're born again and you get to heaven, it's all good. And you know what, brother, and I appreciate you sharing that. Um, are, you, are you familiar with uh, Dr. Miles Monroe? No, sir. If you get a chance, uh, just, you know, in your time of, you know, whatever, uh, or looking at a search or whatever, I want you to look up the guy, Dr. Miles Monroe. Um, this gentleman, he's out the, he's a, um, he was a minister out of the Bahamas, a uh, big spiritual mentor to a lot of big leaders around the world. And I got a, the privilege to get to spend some time with him. And I was kind of uh, undecided about a, a subject matter, which is a kind of a non-essential subject matter, which is pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, and I kind of threw that out to him, and he made some valid points, I mean, made some serious driving points, and obviously, and I prayed about it, and he has the same position you guys have mm-hmm. about, like, you, listen, he was like, you, it's bet the wisdom he gave me was, listen, no one knows but this, he was like, it's best you prepare that if you are here, you need to know and be ready and, you know, and yeah. so his position in that, and I, and I, and I prayed about it, I was like, that, that's probably right. I yeah. think that's dead on the money. And the second part of that is, I love that you, how you guys said, listen, when these guys show up, we want to interview them. I'm like, now, that's proactive. Absolutely. That is totally proactive. And I got much respect on that. I mean, much love for that, because that's like being proactive about, like, listen, if I, this is what we believe, if this is what... We stand for, then let's get a game plan oh, yeah. for the situation that's going to be at hand. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's the thing, Larry. <clears throat> we have had a game plan for years now. Uh, we've talked about when, when the final seven years starts, we mail a magazine to every home in Israel. Three years in, we do a um, door-knocking campaign to everybody in the West Bank, of the, the Judea that's going to have to flee. Uh, we're going to help facilitate the end-time revival that happens there. That's the entire reason that we have uh, property in downtown Jerusalem, our, our Jerusalem Prophecy College, and I've been teaching Jewish individuals and Gentiles in Jerusalem every Thursday. My, and my father-in-law did it for years. I've been doing it for several years now. Every Thursday we teach them, um, and they show up to our classes in the college. So very proactive, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. I mean, I'm all in Here's on this, my question. friend. 
here's the question. How much do you guys, um, um, what's the expense if someone wanted to, on one of you guys' trip? Because one of my bucket lists is, is, is definitely to go to Israel. What yeah. is you guys' expense for that to, for individual to partner with you guys to go to, to Israel? I, I think one of our trip. now don't quote me on this, my wife takes care no, of good. all of this. But I think it's between, it's probably between forty five hundred and forty seven fifty gotcha. per, per person, and that's you know gotcha. two weeks overseas, and a lot of that stuff's included. But anyway, if, if you want to know, you can call and talk to my wife. She'll give you more details than you ever wanted on the trip. But hey, Larry, I hate to do this, but I've got a lot of no, calls, no, no, and I have no, to no. let you go here. No, no, no. I appreciate your time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was it, and I'll continue to be listening. All right, God bless, God bless my friend. Thank you for calling. Let's go to William in Idaho. God bless William. Welcome to End of the Age. Well, hey, Dave. How are you doing? I'm tremendous. How are you, my friend? Hey, I am doing well. A couple of things. Number one is my wife and I will be joining you and Jenna um, on the Israel tour coming up here in September. Oh, so we're looking forward to yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. It's a bucket list item for me, like the last caller had mentioned. So. Yeah, um, you, you are right about the dollars and cents and all that, but it almost doesn't matter how much it costs versus what we're going to get out of it. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And thank you very much for Jenna and Brittany and everything that they do and have done to get that thing organized. They really are pros. It's great. Yes. Thank Second you. thing is, thank you guys for your ministry, you and Doug and Vince and the whole crew. Awesome stuff. Thank you. My question, just to speed it up, is the elections and everything that's going on with that in Israel mm-hmm. and knowing that Netanyahu might be involved in that whole thing or is yeah. and uh, everybody else. I just wanted to get your take. Yeah. Um, what have you heard? What are you thinking? And uh, obviously it's very important to uh, what's going to happen peace agreement wise and that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. if you can kind of tie that into your response, that would be awesome. Sure. Absolutely. So, the every I mean most people if you follow this stuff you know that Israel that the Knesset dissolved because or they dispersed because they had so many diverse uh, they had like eight like here we have Republicans and Democrats well they had like eight different platforms that were running one of them was even an Arab faction and they couldn't yeah. agree on so many things people started dropping out and in Israel. You've got 127 seats, so you have to have at least 61, hopefully more than that, uh, to have a majority. Well, people started dropping out, and they thought, well, hey, this isn't going to, well, man. So, hey, William, I'm coming up on a break again. Can you hold through the break? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. I, sorry about that. Um, anyway, uh, we'll get back more into the elections when we get back, and I'll tell you what's going on after that. But uh, remember, everybody, we're going to be in Shreveport, Louisiana. Uh, tomorrow evening and Sunday morning. Look forward to meeting a lot of you out there. God bless. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high-traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. 
If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. Okay, uh, William, your question about the elections in Israel. Uh, because they had so many um, diverse factions to the government, they had to disperse. They, they, they dissolved the government, and they're going into new elections. It's like the fourth election in three and a half years. It's crazy. So they um, Netanyahu, the ex-prime minister, so there's a difference in the prime minister in Israel and the president. The current president is Isaac Herzog, who used to be over the Jewish um, agency. And then there's a prime minister, which was um, Benjamin Netanyahu. And then just over the last year, there was Yair Lapid and Naftali Bennett. So they've, they have now, they served as kind of co-prime ministers. Uh, uh, Naftali Bennett was going to be over it so long, and then Yair Lapid was going to take over. They've dissolved that. Now Yair Lapid is an acting prime minister until November's when new elections happen in Israel. And with all the polls that I've seen, I've been watching very closely, it appears that Prime Minister, or former Prime Minister Netanyahu has a very good shot at getting enough votes to get reelected as the Prime Minister. But here's how it goes. If he was to get, let's say, 59 uh, seats of the Knesset, and then Yair Lapid was able to get 57. Prime Min- uh, um, Netanyahu would be Isaac Herzog, who was the president, would say, okay, he determines which ones he thinks would be the best one to have the best chance of forming a government. If he says it's Netanyahu, he'll give them a certain amount of time. I think it's three months or something like that. If he cannot form a government and get enough, um, form enough relationships with the different platforms to get at least a majority, the 61, then he would, he, his chance would go away and then Yair Lapid would have a chance. Now, I know this sounds crazy. Here in the United yeah. States, normally my whole life, that night, the night of the election, up until 2020, the night of the election, you pretty much knew who was the president. You get up in the morning, I was ready to go to school, and hey, so-and-so's the new president. Well, over there, it's just totally crazy. Unless the guy's got you know, just a vast majority, 75 or 80. So I don't know, obviously, who's going to become the next prime minister, but elections will be held in November, and Israel, it's like their fourth or fifth election in three and a half or four years. It's crazy. Um, And Netanyahu, again, is a front runner. Now, what does that have to do with the peace uh, initiative? Yeah. Netanyahu is... He was willing, just before when the Abraham Accords, uh, when it was signed in 2020, there has been a lot in the news about the Abraham Accords. Um, Netany- or, um, Donald Trump's son-in-law, Kushner, just wrote a book. And there's been a lot in the news lately about in this book, he was saying things that Netanyahu did, Trump did, and Netanyahu said, no, I, I actually did not do that. And so it's been kind of controversial, but... Netanyahu was getting ready to annex much of the West Bank. The Arab nations, um, 
United Arab Emirates and some of the other ones, they said, hey, to keep him from annexing, we're going to go ahead and normalize relationships with Israel. That's what the Abraham Accords is, is they went ahead to keep him from annexing those areas because they were trying to protect the Palestinians as well. Well, it appeared, and Donald Trump actually helped that out when he came into office because he was trying to set up a regional agreement rather than just going and dragging the Palestinians and the Israelis to the table. So the regional agreement helped to bring about the Abraham Accords as well. So there's a lot coming into play here. Um, Netanyahu, he is he would be for annexing the, the West Bank. He's been a real good... Um, person who's been, he's very evasive. He's able to play both sides, but then end up getting what he wants. Yair Lapid, on the other hand, he's pro-two-state solution, and he would be more apt to sign the deal that we're looking for the final seven years. Again, at this point, uh, Benny Gantz is also in the running. So at this point, I don't know. They're kind of almost neck and neck, some of them, coming up to to the election. At this point, I think we'll have to get farther into it, William, to see how it's all going to play out. Uh, at this point, it's, it's mainly speculation, but that's kind of what's going on with the Israel election. Can, can I add one thing? Yeah. You know, so part of my theory is Trump being the, uh, the business guy that he is, that maybe part of the uh, accord deal is to put pressure on Palestine by getting all of the people in the area to um, um, set up relations with Israel, right? Yeah. And then, I guess, be an odd man out for the Palestinians. Everybody right. else is involved, yeah. and they all want to protect, you know, getting protected from Iran and doing any nuke stuff that they may. So there's a, a motivation there. But more of an economic thing where, you know, everybody's supporting Palestine at this point in time. But if everybody hooks up together with the Accords and Palestine is the odd man out, yeah, could they not be semi-pressured yeah. into it? Uh, not to mention the fact that uh, uh, Arafat or whatever, uh, uh, I'm not sure it's here, it doesn't matter, um, yeah. that he's getting old and he may be out of there anyway. Absolutely. Could that be the impact that may put this over the edge? Yeah, it absolutely could. Uh, there have been a lot of news articles. Matter of fact, I had a news article. I may go over it on Monday. I've got a news article that it's actually talking about that because we're coming up on the two-year anniversary of the Abraham Accords just in a couple weeks. And... What happened was, and then I've got to go very quickly because i got a lot of calls, but the, yeah. the Abraham Accords took the veto power away from the Palestinians. Normally, the Israelis and the Palestinians, too many, Obama, uh, Clinton, the, the Bushes, they would take the Israelis and the Palestinians to the negotiating table, and then the Palestinians would say, hey, because of the Arab Peace Initiative, which says the Arab nations, which says the Palestinians have to normalize relationships with Israel before the Arab nations do, the Sunni Arab right. nations, then they had a veto power. They would say, well, we're just not going to do it. We'll walk away, and, that, and none of the Arab, the Arab nations will back us. Well, when the United Arab Emirates and Morocco and all these other different ones, when they signed normalization agreements with Israel, the Abraham Accords, it took that veto power away from the Palestinians, and oh, so yeah. now they couldn't just walk away. So what's happening is... One of the biggest factors, the, the Abraham Accords now has not dealt with the Israelis and Palestinians, but if Saudi Arabia were willing to get on board and some of the others, that it would, a lot of people believe that it would pressure the Palestinians to get on board and to finally normalize relations with Israel. 
Um, however, that remains to be seen, my friend. That's totally speculation, but a lot of people are saying they absolutely could pressure. So, yeah, your perspective is right on. Well, cool. Let's yeah. see what happens. Thanks for your time. And, absolutely. Uh, looking forward to our trip. Oh, me uh, too. We'll see you on the plane. All right. God bless you, my friend. Thank you, William. <clears throat> Let's go to um, Julie in Indiana. God bless Julie. Welcome to End of the Age. Hi. Uh, background and then my questions. So, very excited. I told my family about, here's Daniel, the four beasts. And then here's John in Revelation. He's talking about the same four beasts, only there are one, and yes. this is 650 years later. And I'm really excited. My husband goes, well, you know, John could have just read the manuscripts from Daniel and just rewrote it himself. <laughs> and anyway, so yeah. where's my gunfire? I, I need some help. <laughs> yeah. So what was the question again? I'm sorry. Well, the question is, when a person asks, when a person makes a comment like that, yeah. where they say, John just read the manuscripts from Daniel, which was written hundreds of years before, yeah. and they just rewrote it, where, what do you say to that? And how, how do you have that discussion after that comment has been made? Yeah. I've never had anybody say that John read Daniel's transcripts. Okay, I've never had that, and I've been doing this a long time. So... I would, um, I would take that individual, I would make sure that that person understood the Bible and how it's structured and who the writer of the Bible is. The Bible is God's Word, simply. And the Bible says that it was, these words were written by men of old who were moved on by God. And so the Bible... Um, once you understand how it's structured, the thesis behind it, and how God spoke to these individuals, and they wrote these things down, here's a neat uh, insider um, perspective. John was writing the book of Revelation when he was exiled out on an island, the Isle of Patmos. Right. And so it doesn't say that he had access to all these other books, the Old Testament, and which were written on parchments and animal skins. It doesn't say any of that. God, the Bible says that he was moved on by God. He was given these visions, and he wrote them down. In Revelation 1.19, God said, John, you write the things which you have seen, the things which are, and then I will show you the things which will be hereafter. So God miraculously gave John visions of things that would happen in the future. That's how the book of Revelation was written, as John was moved on by God. It's the same way with Daniel. The majority of the book of Daniel was visions given by God. The, um, in Daniel 7, the Bible says Daniel was given a vision, and he was given a vision of these beasts that came up out of the sea. John, the same thing in Revelation 13. John, Daniel saw four beasts come up out of the sea. John saw one beast come up out of the sea. But they were both given a vision by God. So once you understand how the Bible was written and that it was, it was God's Word, but it was given through men that were moved on by God, then that would kind of go away, uh, that, that excuse. That's just somebody, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, your husband or whoever, that's somebody try, that doesn't have, a, they've got a surface knowledge of the Word of God. I would agree. Yeah. I would agree with that statement. Yeah. Yep. 
hundred percent. So Absolutely. I'll just keep I'll just keep plugging away. And um, yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate you, and uh, I appreciate all that you guys are doing. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you very much, Julie, and God bless you, my friend. You too. Let's go to um, Marianne in Utah. God bless Marianne. How are you? I'm doing fine, Dave. How are you? I am tremendous. Thank you. Oh, good. Hey, you know, I was just hearing, like, now, isn't Turkey supposed to have something to do with the drying up of the Euphrates River? Yep. yep. And because of their new relations with Israel and yeah. Turkey, I'm hearing on the news today. Yes. I'm going, okay, so there must be going to have to be a conflict somewhere, yeah. right? Absolutely. Turkey is wanting to resurrect the, they're looking to resurrect the Ottoman Empire. So their relationship with Israel right now, I'm not paying any attention to it. Because I know in the end, Turkey is going to be one of the nations. When you look in Ezekiel chapter 38, Togarma is the modern day nation of Turkey. Yeah. And so when you look in at the end, Togarma is one of the nations that leads the charge down to the Battle of Armageddon. They're the one that drive up the river Euphrates. And uh, because they have the ability to do to the Ataturk Dam. And so they will lead the battle down to Armageddon. Even though they have relationships now, um, it appears that's not going to last. The geopolitical situations there will change drastically. And Iran, which is Persia in Ezekiel 38, uh, Gog and Magog, uh, Russia and Togarma, Turkey, Eastern Europe, which appears to be kind of in a a, um, you know, a, a relationship with Israel, a diplomatic relationship, it's not going to stay the same. They're all going to come down against Israel to battle as part of the world governing community, the international community uh, in the end time. So I don't pay much attention to the geopolitical situation now because I know exactly what the Bible says, and that's why the prophecies are so important. Well, and that's what I thought. Yeah. So I'm glad. Yeah. And thank you very much. I all appreciate right. that. I thought, God bless I can't you. Be wrong. I'm wrong. Yeah, God bless you, Marianne. Thank you for the call. Wow. Um, Tried to get to everybody. I apologize. DRobbins at endtime.com. I'll answer all your questions. God bless. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463 or visit us online at endtime.com.